Hello and welcome to Spiritual Warfare, How the Devil is Collecting Souls. Hello, my name is Teresa. Hello, my name is Kay. We are going to be reading from the book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. It's Time to Win the Battle of Your Mind by Lou Giglio. Okay, we are going to read about baby zebras. Take it away. When you're on the pathway to knowing God, it means you set your heart, purpose, and mind in that direction. When you, when you begin to learn his word, the Bible, you get to know him and his character. When you walk with him in continual prayer, you learn his ways, his words, ways, and character fulfill the needs in your life. Do you have a need for worth, for significance, for purpose, for love, for acceptance, for satisfaction, for peace, for the closest kind of companionship, for calm in the midst of the storm? Jesus fulfills those needs. Those are the same needs the enemy is exploiting. When you feel down, it's usually because needs of yours aren't being met. That's when the enemy comes along and whispers, if you want to feel better, then just go through this door, Mark, temptation. I'll give you a thrill. I'll give you a jolt of dopamine. Oh, my gosh. And that's true. Yeah. That's that how he true. keeps you coming back. I'll give you a rush of adrenaline. Nothing can satisfy you, your heart like God. Nothing keeps you from sin better than keeping your eyes on Christ. When you walk with God, you discover your true identity, worth, and purpose. That's where you discover you can trust God. We looked at James 1.14, where each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Okay, Kay. Wow. When you have an evil desire, so Satan puts these evil desires in front of you in another person or in thoughts, how do you handle that? Because that's what he does. That's what he does. Yeah. That's when you talk with God. And don't be deceived. You have to look. He comes as a ray of sunshine. Yeah. And a new person coming into your life. And you're thinking they're the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. And that's what he wants you to think. Right. Until you're hooked. Right. And I'm just looking at this and where it says each person is tempted when they are dragged. Who likes to be dragged? That's what sin does to us. It drags us away. Right? Yes, it does. It does. Yes. But James went on to describe a greater context. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows? Verses 16 and 17. Sin gives birth to death. Don't be deceived about the fact, James said. Going through the door of marked temptation leads only to sin and death. And you have to really have to emphasize death. Sin leads to death. If you get hooked on a bad habit, like a lot of these people, Satan will bring you down so low and the drugs they're selling on the streets or you have a friend like here, this will help you. One 
sometimes one application used, you're hooked and you, you're done. It literally kills you and takes over your life because they're lacing it with whatever right? fentanyl. Right. I, that's what's going around really bad right now. Sorry. So nothing on the other side of that door is going to help you. Sin might feel good for a moment, but it's always less than God's best for you. Instead, you go through the other door, the one marked invitation. That's where you find every good and perfect gift. Those gifts come to you from Christ. What you're looking for is found through the other doorway. And the real reward isn't even about the gifts Jesus gives you. It's about walking through that doorway and getting God himself. Have you ever considered the tremendous benefits that exist for us on this side of Eden? Yes, we are living in a sin-tainted and corrupted world. We're not in paradise anymore, but we're also living with the knowledge of how far God Almighty will go for us. We're living with knowledge above God's love that Adam and Eve didn't have. When the serpent said to Eve, maybe God is holding out on you. Eve had God's word at that point. She had what God had told her and Adam about himself. She had a perfect environment to live and enjoy. But she had little actual experience to back up God's promise. We have experience. We have the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ in our story. We can point to the cross and say, actually, God's not holding out anything on us. That's what God's heart is like. God loved me so much, he sent his son to take away the sins of the world. That's a heart that scales any mountain, kicks down any doors, relentlessly, relentlessly pursues us down darkened alleyways. God will do anything to reach me with his love, including sending his only beloved son to the cross and raising him to life again. Thank you, Jesus. I am a new creation. Eve didn't know what we know. She did not know how far God would go, but we do. A while back, I heard Priscilla Shire talk about what zebras do to do with their young. When a mama zebra gives birth, one of the first things she does, she takes her child far away from the rest of the herd for a while. Why? Because a mother wants her child to learn to know her. To the untrained eye, all zebras look the same. Even baby zebras have been known to mix up who their mom is, but every zebra is unique pattern of marking on its head and face. When the mother zebra takes her baby away like that, the baby learns to identify exactly who its mother is. The child can see and hear the mother it learns to recognize the mother's individual markings for weeks and weeks. It's just mother and child, mother and child, mother and child. Soon enough, the baby, baby zebra is brought back to the herd. By then, the baby has learned a remarkable sort of discernment. It can see all these other animals that look and sound and smell almost the same and say, nope, not that one, nope. Not that one. Nope, not that one. Ah, oh, that one. That's my mother. 
That level of familiarity and recognition is where God wants you to be with him. He wants you to know him without a doubt. All the enemy does is lie. The enemy wants to lead you astray so he can destroy you. But Jesus wants you to learn God's voice, to recognize God, to trust. The quicksand has no more power. The door marked temptation has no more appeal. You are set free. You can win the battle for your mind. You're invited to deeply and closely know God. As a part of that process, there's one more specific prayer that you can pray. When it comes to not giving the enemy a seat at your table, this prayer and all the freedom and invitation it brings is perhaps the most powerful. You can win the battle for your mind. You can win the battle of your mind. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. No matter what you're going through, if you're depressed, if you're down, just keep saying it. He doesn't win. Don't let him win. You have victory. When you stand up to him, you get stronger And it's your choice to stay in a pit or to get up. And sometimes it's hard to get up. I'm not saying it's not because it is. Sometimes I can't get up. But keep pushing and fighting. God loves you. It's worth it. It's worth it when you get to the other side. Very much so. And then you can can see. And to have the power... To move mountains. You have the power to move mountains if you want it. Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Yes. That's pretty powerful. So as he says here, the enemy wants to lead you astray so he can destroy you. He would love nothing more than for you to be silent and for you to... That's exactly what it is, Kay, is being silent in your pain. Yes. And struggling. Yes. So the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Don't be silent. Even if you have to say that over and over 20 times a day, you will become strong. Even after the first couple times, because the thoughts that were in your mind, they're gone because you are speaking against the enemy. Right. Right. I know there's been times when um, I have felt like, how can I talk to God? How can I possibly talk to God today? After what I just did last night. Right. And it's amazing if I rebuke that and I start speaking out loud. Father, I feel unworthy right now. And I know Satan doesn't want me to come to you and talk to you. But I know that's not what you want from me. And to just like start the conversation rather than biting my tongue, it, op- it opens the door. It opens the door to him. It does. Talk to him like you talk to your friends. That's what I had to do. Yeah. A lot of people feel they have to be formal in front of God. Don't be disrespectful. Right. 
But you don't have to, you can talk to God at any time, anywhere. You don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to be in a church. You can, I, I talk to him like I'm talking to Kay. I do. Like, seriously, God? Oh my gosh, I cannot believe this just happened again. Really, God? I, I have to really go through this again? I mean, that's just my personality. Right. Everybody has their own personalities or whatever. Um, he created you. He, you have your own unique personality. Don't be respectful. But talk to him like you're talking to a friend. I do. I, I'm not like, okay, dear father, holy, you know, no, you don't have to be formal. Just talk to him. Sometimes you don't even have time to be formal. Help! <laughs> That's right. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. And I know that um, there are some days that I have conversation with God all day long. All day long. That continual prayer. That continual communication. And then other days, I'm back and forth. You know, rebuking Satan and, yeah, feeling like... It's exhausting sometimes when that happens, you know, and it's like, no, no, It's very exhausting. And for you people who are mad at God because you think he caused something or you think he let something happen. I challenge you to talk to him about it. Absolutely. Tell him that you're mad. Write it out. Sometimes writing it out also. I just... uh, To get it out. A couple weeks ago, I'm like, I am so mad, God, right now. I have, like, cursing on the end of my tongue because I'm so mad. And I tell him that, too. I have all of this hatred in my heart. I have all this anger in my heart and it just keeps building up and building up and I am really, really mad. You have to tell him how you feel. Tell me how am I supposed to handle this now? How are, what are you going to do about it, God? What are you going to do about it? I'm here asking you for help and I'm really mad and I need I don't know the big picture. Only you know the big picture. Right. You need to open my eyes. I want to listen to you. And normally when it's something that bad, Satan has done something. He's got that wedge in there. Right. And he is keeping you. Sandpaper? Yes. Cause sandpaper? Yeah. He is keeping you from God's best. By getting you very angry at God. And he just keeps putting fuel in the fire. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Because he wants you to walk away from God. And you can't let him win. He has dominion over this earth. He is set free. Him and his demons are working overtime. And they're going to do whatever it takes to destroy you. Just remember that. Don't believe him. You got to believe God in the word. And even though it doesn't look like anything good is happening because of all this bad, 
God sees the end. We cannot see that. We don't know when God's going to step in and say, you're delivered. Or here's you're changing your course now. Yeah, I don't know what your situation is. Just don't let the enemy destroy your feelings for God and don't believe him. Because God loves you and he wants the best for you. Don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. We wish you a blessed week. And when we come back, we will be in chapter 7. Take every thought captive. So we will see you guys next week. Have a great week. God bless. God bless.